Welcome everybody to the Seattle Sports Union Podcast. My name is Abraham Deweese, back once again with that damn dirty duck, Matt Page, Brian the Soul Man Solak, and our very special guest, one Dave Sims from the Seattle Mariners. How's it going, guys? What's going on, fellas? How we doing? Good. How are awesome. you? Thanks for joining us. Uh, it's all basketball tonight with an interlude with you guys here. <laughs> well, thank you very much. And I saw that the uh, the Zags, the mighty Zags, got knocked down by those hoggies from Arkansas tonight. And Very uh, athletic team, uh, Arkansas. And, very uh, good defense. Shots. Very good, good defensive defense, team. Yeah. Texas Tech's probably going to do it. It's trying to play a similar game against Duke, so. Mm, you know, you know, and then, you know, when you can run five guys out there, it feels like seven are playing against you defensively. It's <laughs> challenging, to say the least. Well, fantastic. Yeah. You know, and we, you, you talk basketball. We know that you're the Seattle Mariners uh, announce, uh, play-by-play guy. Um, but you actually started with a Big East background. Uh, you actually yeah, I was um, one. I did Temple football radio for three years, which led to ESPN, which – led to uh, one of Big East, Big East um, had their own network, a regional network. So I did football for them. And now it's, it, it's, a, I'm on a good ride. It's been a, been a nice long ride too. Fantastic. And back, uh, that would have been back in the nineties, I think, right? Is that actually? Yeah, I did uh, Temple Radio um, 90 to 92 and then transitioned over to a Big East game in a week in 93, 94, and, and then did it again in like uh like 99 to 0506 something like that yeah even though seven as a matter of fact yeah oh man nice and back in the back in that area back in those neck of the woods or back in those neck of the skyscrapers um the biggest championship is almost as big as uh the big east uh, tournament is almost as big as the nca tournament in of itself right it's happening i mean everybody that plays basketball or hockey or you know the gardens where you want to be and the Big East has, you know, gone through a couple different progressions over the years. I mean, it was sort of the small Catholic school, then it got to be a mega conference. Now it's back to medium-sized, you know, pretty much Catholic school, but basketball-rich traditions. And uh, it, you know, I'm a, a born and raised in Philly, lived in New York most of my life. It's, um, I mean, I'm familiar with them. They're familiar with me, and it's a pleasure to do those games. Fantastic. And I know we got to get to the Mariners, Matt and Brian are very angry with me because I'm talking basketball, but I got to ask one last question. We'll get to that, 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 that good old baseball. The, 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 the question I have for you, Dave is uh, St. Peter's uh, 15th, 15th seed, right? Out of Jersey city, New Jersey. Yep. Right across the river from Manhattan. And uh, Shaheen Holloway was a coach. I mean, it was a player at Seton hall some moons ago. And I did a lot of his games. I think he played for Tommy Amaker. And, uh, you know, what we probably call a gym rat, you know, he apprenticed nicely at Seton Hall for a lot of years. And like he said, hey, I got a bunch of guys in New York City and New Jersey City. We're not afraid of anybody. <laughs> and that's big, right? Does that, I assume that means a lot to those local communities when a team like that or back in Philly with Villanova, you know, that unifies a city that maybe, you know, disconnected another well uh, yeah place. i mean it, it, villanova you gotta remember in philly we get the big five plus drexel so you know the fan base is stretched out but i'm sure everybody in philly's rooting for uh, the wildcats big win tonight i i have to ask you did you work with john cheney and what, what was he like you did did? A lot. i love coach cheney he lived around the corner from 
with my brother. And uh, I never, you know, I, I'll be honest with you, I never went to one of the 6 a.m. practices. That wasn't going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I talked to him before and after games, and he was an, an absolute gem. And I remember seeing him at the, at the final point oh five. And, and we had a, uh, what was it? It was, gosh dang it, what was it? It was, a, it was sort of a black coaches association and we had black members of the media and we all convened in a, like a small, a small um, conference room and coach Thompson was up front. Coach Taney was in the back. We had some other guys and they, they, it was like wiz, you know, visiting two wizards of Oz. Of, uh, just two brilliant guys to, I mean, the truest definition of alpha males. I mean, Big John and John Cheney, woo! And boy, <laughs> don't get on their on their wrong side. But they were they've helped a lot of people over the years. Sadly, both of them have left us recently, and they have left a, a tremendous legacy. I know Mike Wilbon and those guys down in D.C. You know, they swear by Big John, and and the guys in Philly say the same thing about uh, John Cheney. Right on. I, I, and one more quick question. I know we want to talk baseball with you too, but. I read somewhere online that you were a catcher growing up. Is that correct? Because I played catcher up through up till college. And yeah, I, I, um, uh, let's say I, I played four years of I lettered four years in high school. I caught the last three years. There was a senior, uh, and it was at a prep school, and I, I was a better catcher, but he was a senior and came from, a, and uh, it was one of those situations. I'm not complaining, but it's just that's just what happened. And you know, I caught in the college. You know, I, I loved it. And McCarver and Tory were my two favorite catchers growing up on the bench, of course. Um, and it's nice to be, you know, you sort of like the quarterback of the team and you know, you can take charge. And can, in those days, it was pretty physical. So, I mean, you, had, you gave and you took. <laughs> so, given the way the rules, the rules have been straightened out a lot since Buster Posey got ripped, you know, a few years ago. But no, I, I enjoyed it. It's a great experience. Both of you guys are former catchers. What do you guys think about those new uh, pads that they wear behind their knees? Um, I've had that for a while. You mean the one that that like the crook of your knee and look yeah, triangular? Yeah, yeah. The cushion, yeah. Does that extend? I assume that extends the lifespan of a of a catcher these days, right? I don't think I wouldn't go that far, but it's it's no. all about comfort. Yeah, it's all about comfortability. Wouldn't, yeah. wouldn't it help you? Get up faster. I mean, like use a little spring, maybe. Matt, there's not. It just just gives you a nice cushion where you know where the knee bends and then calf. Yeah. And and I I don't. There's no explosiveness in it. It's again for me, and I remember by the time I hung them up, those were I think a little bit after I I stopped playing. Okay. Matt, Matt, these are not LA gear Mm. shoes. They don't have little catapults in them that make the catcher just explode. That would be pretty cool. What was that? What was that? Uh, the old shoe, the the, snoot, the sneaker. You know, you pump it up. Hey, it's gonna make you jump. Yeah, high. yeah. Oh yeah, the Jordans. Pump it up. Yeah. I think it was one of the Jor- the first Jordans did that. Yeah. Um, That'd be pretty sweet. What are you talking about, Dave? I mean, come on, D- Dave. We have a uh, long-standing uh, bit of clarification that we need from hopefully somebody like you, a former catcher. Uh, Brian Solak yells at players who don't. Uh, who, who do sit on the bench during a game. Uh, and, and, and we went to a Seattle U baseball game and he's sitting there just Brian. So you know what I'm talking just about? Brian. Fuming. You're mm-hmm. fuming and you're mad because as the catcher, you're the leader of the team. Yep. And, 
and you want to see those players on the rail and not on the bench. What were we Dave, doing, bench jockeying? Dave, were you like that? Yeah. Like that I, was, I was a complete pain in the ass. No <laughs> and uh, I carried it into postgraduate, you know, once I got out of school and playing softball at Central Park and various other locations, my wife was like, I don't know him. I have a fond memory of covering an NCAA regional game. Uh, St. John's played uh, Temple. And Temple had guys I played with or against. And the St. John's guys, I was covering them as a beat, so I knew all those guys. And it was up in, I want to say, Middletown, Connecticut. Baseball or basketball? This baseball. Okay. And the chirping that came from those two dugouts, <laughs> I, mean, I wish I had a recording. It was it was a how-to to to rag on people. It was it was phenomenal. <laughs> it's one of the coolest. I mean, I've, I've done a, I've been involved and seen a lot of cool things, but knowing some of those guys, and I, before the game, I hollered out to go, "Yo, McArdle!" Guys, turn. You know, <laughs> <laughs> how, how much of it could you put in your paper? None. <laughs> just that, just that it was a spirited occasion, and it was a spirited game by. You know, gentlemen from the two great cities of New York uh, and Philadelphia. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't okay. quite as rowdy as an Eagle Giant game, but it, it, it was pointed in that direction. <laughs> right on. <laughs> um, you, you did internet radio for MLB TV, is that correct? Um, yeah, it's where I met Niehaus, was uh, what is now MLB, uh, MLB Radio. It was MLB.com, I want to say 99 and 2000. I had a good... That was a good couple of years. I did that for, I think it was two years. I did the Phillies weekly for two years. I did the Phillies Sunday pregame show. So that how was the, a lot of fun. How the heck did you get into that? Because yeah. the internet's still, <laughs> internet's still kind of new back then. And like, did anybody really know that people want to listen to baseball on the radio? Or on the um, internet? I'm sorry, on the internet. Yeah, it was all, it was mainly talk. You know, it was, I had already done talk radio. I'd already done WFAN, mm -hmm. WFC, MSG Network. Um, and, and who was that? This was before. This was at Sirius before they merged. Before they merged with uh, XM, it's a lot of fun. I met because I, I, I distinctly remember. It's so ironic. I guess coincidental now. But you know, when I got the Mariner job, I remember telling Ron Fairley and Dave Niehaus, I said, you know, you guys visited me and, at, at the uh, Sirius at the Sirius headquarters on was at Sixth Avenue and 49th Street, and. Uh, and we'd have a lot of guys, you know, visiting announcers. Not many players, but visiting announcers or writers. Talk baseball, man. It was great. And we sat in. I remember we'd have guys sit in. Jim Mudcat, granted, just passed away. He sat in for a week. Uh, Mike Marshall, the great reliever with the Dodgers. Hmm. Um, John Cruck. Um, that could have been fun. That would have been fun. <laughs> that was – I told him, I said, correctly, we – if we ever get an opportunity to work together, call in games for a team, it would be gold. Wait, I liked, um, I liked your response, Dave. What, what, <laughs> do you, is yeah, there something behind he, that? What's that? Is there something behind your response? You were, you, you were what? glowing, you were glittering. You were what, to, uh, <laughs> to John to Crook. Yeah. Oh, he's just a <laughs> wild and crazy guy with great insights and funny stories. I mean, he's just fabulous. Um, we had some, there was a, um, there's a guy, 83 White Sox, hit a bunch of home runs. I can't believe I'm blanking on it. Jack McDowell came up, and uh, one of the outfielders for the 83 White Sox, nice guy, wore big glasses. 
I'll call you tomorrow. I'll call you three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> but, yeah, we, we had a lot of good guys up there. We had a lot of writers. Tom Keegan came up. Yeah, it was a good time uh, during the MLB thing. <clears throat> we had a guest. Nice. Couple, we had a guest a couple weeks ago, Seth, or a couple of months ago. I'm sorry, Seth Everett, uh, who also did internet. I know Seth. Yeah. Did you yeah. work with him? Okay. He was uh, Seth was uh, Seth did some made a lot of contributions to that to, to that show. I was I think I was the first voice owner. I did something like one to four in the afternoon Eastern. And Seth probably you know, he did some reports. He would go to Yankee Stadium, Chase Stadium, or, uh, I mean, yeah, with Chase Stadium then, and. Uh, no, it worked out well. It's a good guy. He works hard. Right on. Um, 2007 came, and you. How did you get the job with the Mariners? I guess I'm trying to say. Um, well, I've done a lot of done a decent amount of work at ESPN in um, 93, 94, and then again a little bit of 405, and um, a guy who he went to. He went, he's now my boss. I believe. Mean, he had gone to school at Syracuse with my brother-in-law. He called my brother-in-law, who was working at the Cosby Show at that time, and said, hey, you know, Ron Fairley is leaving. You know, Dave should put him in. And, you know, I, I said, Ron Fairley does color. I don't do color. I do play-by-play. He says, you need to put in anyway. Anyway, so I sent in a tape. And a few people called on my behalf. And, you know, I was one of probably 100 guys put in for the job. And uh, I remember meeting with Chuck Armstrong. President, longtime president. I met him. We were at some club on Fourth Avenue. I think. You passed the Armstrong family test. Congratulations! <laughs> Didn't hurt that I had Coach K and a few people call him on my behalf too. So, no, that, you know, that's how it happened. I mean, uh, Stranger Things. That's uh, cool. You just never know. I mean, that's there's no there's a, like a lot of things in life. There's no rhyme or reason, and, and it's worked out well. That's very cool. So who? You said you knew somebody who was working for the Cosby show as a writer. Yeah. It was my brother-in-law who was, who had gone to school with this, uh, with the guy who worked at the Mariners. That's fantastic. Because the one that reminds me of like Ken Levine, who was like a writer for cheers, but also a baseball announcer. Yeah. Yeah. He did Baltimore and Ken, Ken Levine is one of my favorite guys. We, we, I think we actually did a couple of games together during, I guess the interim right after Dave passed before they hired uh, Aaron. Is there something about uh, about being a good writer and a good play-by-play person that uh, just goes hand in hand? Um, language. Well, you know, you understand the language, you understand storytelling. I think those are the two main ingredients. That makes and, sense. And if you have any kind of news gathering skills, I mean, it's a trifecta. So and it works out well. Fantastic! I just pulled up the roster for the 1983 White Sox. And I didn't realize uh, how many former Mariners were on there. Tom Throw a name at that. I can't believe it. Um, oh, uh, is it Luzinski? For the, for the outfield, yeah, Luzinski, Harold Baines, Rudy Law, Ron Kittle. Um, Ron Kittle. Ron Kittle. Okay. Kittle. okay. He was on there. Because he see- wore those big aviator glasses. Nice guy. <laughs> yeah. Nice guy. Kitty had, Kitty had a couple. If I remember, he, did he put up good numbers in 83? Uh, yeah. I don't know. These sabermetric nerds have screwed up stats. Oh, Matt, oh God, don't Matt start. Page. Um, don't start. But no, he had a pretty decent season, 100 RBI. That That's fantastic. It works. You know, yeah, um, I'll take that. 30, it works in any era. 35 home runs. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, but what I wanted to bring up was uh, Julio Cruz, who I believe, Brian, just passed, you told me he just passed. Oh, yeah, lovely he just, guy. 
Yeah. yeah, he played on that team as well. Yeah, uh, he was beloved in that team too. Yeah, good player, really yeah. good player. He was doing a Spanish broadcast mm-hmm. for a while. Is that right? Yeah, um, they didn't do all the. Uh, they didn't do road games, but they did all almost. Eh, they did a high percentage of, of the home games. Okay. So as as a broadcaster, I, I'm curious how much prep work you put in on a regular basis because. Today, I guess, or, or at least this week, was the 10-year anniversary of the famous, uh, the infamous minor league guy on third uh, incidents with the, the Cardinals, uh, St. Louis Cardinals. Context, uh, context, Matt. The minor, the minor league guy on third was, the, the joke was it was spring training and the announcers had no idea who the guy was on third. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> and it was Oscar Tavares. Right. Who, who was a top prospect, but he was wearing a like 91 or something like that. And they didn't know what he did. Hey. And the Fox broadcast put uh, put minor league guy and then on third up as yeah. a graphic. Well, if the PR interns or whomever, with the respect of clubs, if they don't turn in or if they don't get the information of who's dressing and who's going to be going to that particular game, it can be chaotic. And we had a day like that, uh, I don't know, first, first or second game. At spring training, you work those things out. It's no big deal. But it, it can't happen, and boy – you know, usually mid-game when the starters are already walking out of uh, out of the ballpark, and, and you're looking for you at least want to ID the guy that's telling yeah. his or girlfriend or somebody. Hey, I heard your name on the TV or radio. <laughs> <laughs> I um, I ran into a guy at a bar, and the guy at the bar said to ask you a question, Dave. Um, this is the beginning of a joke. No, this is not the beginning of a joke. Well, it okay. could be. It depends. I on- know, and it, it, it sounds. He said, why the long face? Yeah. Um, no, he said to bring up uh, Hey Lloyd, do some delivery for the truck. You know, to the that was a thing where I probably had, a, a, <laughs> I, I had like a seizure in the middle of a big moment. Figure <laughs> went third deck Yankee stadium. I think we were trailing to put us ahead. I think we wound up winning the game 14, five. And you know, I, you know, I like to think I've done a hell of a job in Seattle and I don't run away from this story, but it's sort of bizarre and sort of weird that a lot of people concentrate. They think that's the funniest thing that ever happened. I'm not freaking Charlie Chaplin. I'm not. <laughs> um, and what happened when Lloyd McClendon was the manager and he, he always used to say, Hey, you know, we'll go out, do our job and then get some ice cream and uh, we go home and move on to the next game. Well, I tried to get too cute. And try to include an exciting home run call and a home run moment and tie it all in together with an interaction I had with Lloyd. And, you know, it's like three trains came into the station for one track and there was a collision of words and, 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 and it happened. And you know what, it, stuff like that can happen to anybody at any time. I mean, you could be walking into the bank, you could be, you know, and, and you might have parents and whatnot or it, it, it happens, you know, and, and I, I said, hey, and I literally had like four sentences run together. And <laughs> I started one. I said, that's not making sense. And I started another one. That's even worse. And then the third time and then the fourth time it was just all bungled. So I just let it go. So I went in and I told Lloyd. And Lloyd was like, eh. But everybody, you know, every, it, you know, I think it's cool that I acknowledge that and, and don't run away from it. You have to own it. I'm glad yeah. it F and go for crying out loud. <laughs> Jeez, I mean, give me a break. <laughs> That's so all you, you can, you know, I'd like to think I've made a hell of a lot better, con- more significant <laughs> contributions to Seattle broadcasting than that. 
and and name me somebody, name me a broadcaster who doesn't have, you know, it might not be as big as that one, but some kind of mistake. I mean, we're freaking human. And, <laughs> and you're going to make mistakes. And the beauty of baseball, again, you're a superstar if you fail 70% of the time. So I might, you know, I might screw up 2 or 3% of the time. So I, I'll take the, those percentages. Dave, this is a show of failed metaphors and, and bad puns. So we, we, we love it. We, we are yeah. happy with it. Um, and I actually, I didn't even know about it until that dude walked up to me in a bar. Like, Yeah. Everybody <laughs> thinks it's like really cool. to send me a tweet about something like, that's not original. It's 457th time I've heard it. And it's not funny anymore. Yeah, it'd, be, it'd be kind of like uh, if everybody knew about your past and said, Hey, remember when you got dumped at the prom? That was yeah. fun, wasn't it? Let it go. <laughs> and, you know, it's like, I remember, it was, I don't know if it was an old bit or it was a bit from a movie. So how about I come to your job and boo you? Exactly. <laughs> Seinfeld, yeah, yeah. Well said. Um, back, I think it was your first year, was it when Mike Hargrove retired in the middle of the season? Yeah. Or was it, yeah. what, what were your thoughts about that? I was just curious. Uh, bizarre world. I don't know why we were playing really good ball. And uh, Matt, uh, John McLaren took over, and if I remember correctly, we took it into around September 8-9 before we got knocked out. And I remember friends in New York were telling me, could you guys freaking lose some games? The Yankees are trying to get in the playoffs. <laughs> so, excuse me, go away. Um, yeah, I've never seen – never experienced anything like that. And certainly from, you know, being a baseball guy all my life, I've never – you know, nobody's ever seen that. And – you know what? Hey, he's lived a very nice life. I haven't seen Mike since then. I didn't, you know, I didn't, I can't, I'm not going to say I was close to him, but we had a professional relationship. And, uh, yeah, that was just one of those weird happenings, man. Yeah, right on. What was it like working in the knee house for a few years before he passed away? I didn't really work with him. I mean, I flew okay. on a plane with him. I sat next to him. You got to remember, <laughs> when the game started, I was on radio with Riz. Yeah, he was on TV, and then after three, we'd switch. So, and on a couple of three occasions, Riz would take a, if if by chance we weren't on TV, uh, and Riz would take a blow. I, I might have done a, a couple of, over. What do you think? From 2007 to 2010, if I did ten games with him, that was a lot. I might have there might have been a few in in uh, spring training. I, I enjoyed his company. It was funny. He had great stories. Uh, uh, you, you heard a lot of great stories that were arable. There were a lot of great stories that weren't arable. And uh, <laughs> he had a hell of a run, boy. It was, it was a beauty. We talked a little bit earlier about uh, the storytelling aspect. And I, I wanted to ask, uh, what's different about baseball from other sports um, where people fall in love with these broadcasters? Or they hate the broadcasters. Because we're in your home every freaking night. I mean, I've had more people, I mean, I've had people, oh, man, it's a pleasure to have you in our, our living room every night or in the call, you know, we're on radio in the car. Uh, it's so intimate, and there's so much time, you know, wrapped around a baseball game, so you have a chance. Like, what were we, what the hell were we talking about today? Aaron was, I was on radio with Aaron Goldsmith today, and he was recounting, I love your cat. <laughs> <laughs> That's a full-grown cat. How old? <laughs> Thank you. Oh, she's like twelve now. Wow, nice. Our, our official mascot. Yeah. <laughs> um, now the storytelling. I mean, baseball. I when I was a newspaper writer, I was 
I know from reading great writers and, and talking to guys, the great conversation sports have always been baseball, boxing, and horse racing. And if you look at great sports literature, that's what most of it comes from. You generally don't see spectacular uh, or high class. I mean, you see good writing, but not to the level, you know, like from basketball and football. It's nothing like baseball, boxing, horse racing. And I, that's, that's really key. And, you know, announcers, people become attached to announcers. You mean, I used to fall asleep to Byron Sam and Bill Campbell and, 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 uh, in Philadelphia when I was growing up. I mean, I had friends in, from Pittsburgh, Bob Prince, I mean, you name a city. So particularly, I mean, I'm a lot older than you guys, but particularly you know, in our generation, you, you had a, if you didn't hear them, you at least knew the names of the guys in the respective cities. These days with SiriusXM, you can listen to everything, which is a thing of beauty. And I, I wonder, I wonder how much homework I would have ever gotten done had I had Sirius XM and been able to <laughs> listen to, you know, listen to Scully before I go to bed, or when Russ Hodges was in, in San Francisco after he left New York. Yeah, that, if, if you if you like that, if you like following broadcasters, this is a great area to do it. You've been in. Oh, go ahead, Brian. <clears throat> I was going to ask, do you get royalties for? Catchphrase, boomstick, baby. If I if I did, I'd have been uh, I'd be at the at the sweet sixteen right now. <laughs> okay. uh, no, 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 no such thing. I mean, that that was organic. You know, Nelly's nickname was the boomstick. Uh, the late uh, oh, I know it's gonna be this. Oh, Bob, 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 Bob. He was at Indiana University. He did a, he, Reggie Miller was doing the Pacers, and he used to go boom, baby. So I said, hmm. Put it together. I asked Nelly. At first, I asked my kids. I said, uh, "If I have a, if Nelly hits a home run, this is his first year. If he hits a home run, I think we'll say something." And Nelson Cruz, boomstick baby. Oh yeah, you gotta do it. Gotta do it. <laughs> and I asked Nelly, and he loved it, and broke it out. And he had a screaming line drive in Oakland one time. He Blowers looked at him and said, "Hey, I like that. That's good. That's good." <laughs> and I stayed with it. And I remember at, at the end, uh, I think going into the second month, Nelly, I was in the clubhouse. As I open every day, come here, come here. I want to listen to something. Gets his iPhone and somebody give him a mashup. He'd hit like five or six home runs. He just like here, Nelson Cruz, boom, stick, baby. And he just <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> it was so cool. I said it was it was validation, you know. <laughs> That's <Very> awesome. Cool. <laughs> right on. Um, we were talking pre-show about, about how. What was it like covering two perfect games in one season? We were talking about that. How awesome was that? Um, first one was um, Philip Umber against us on the third Saturday in uh, April 2012. And that was a, a game that went to – it was on just in Se- uh, Seattle and Chicago. Yankees-Red Sox was the A game. We were the B net game. And who was I working with? Eric Karros. And they came to us finally – in the, I want to say one out, no outs in the, I think it was one out in the ninth, they finally came to us. It was good. And and then Felix in August 15 of the same year, and that was that was big because it was the first time for for, uh, for Seattle Mariner. It was a home game. You had 15, 18,000 people sounded like 80,000. It was really great. And you probably know by now that, you know, my deal is if the dude's throwing a no-hitter, I'm telling you about it. Yep. I'm not buying any of that nonsense. 
of we're going to jinx it. I said, if that were the case, if I had that kind of power, the Mariners would have won eight World Series by now. <laughs> so, like, you know, you need to pump the brakes on that. And that tradition of not talking about it, that's that's down in the clubhouse. And not in the clubhouse. I mean, in the dugout. And it's funny when you hear stories about when Mark Burley threw his perfect game, guys are staying away from him. And he says, yeah, I'm throwing a perfect game. What about it? You know, what's the big deal? So I've called to that year. And then we had the two against this last year. We had a combined seven was a combined no no with six or seven pitchers back in that was also that was, yeah, that the was Dodgers. A, yeah, the it? Dodgers. Yeah. It was a Friday night Dodger Dodger game in uh, at T Mobile, then Safeco. So it was the excitement, and particularly one for Felix, just kept growing and growing and growing. I mean, it was just it literally was breathtaking. I that remember was, telling Dan Wilson, I was like, we went to break. And I was like, that was a lot of fun. Oh, go ahead. I'm just trying to calm my my breathing. <laughs> <laughs> well, two, two quick things real fast. First of all, about, about you, uh, you know, saying what was happening and breaking the taboo and all that. Uh, I have to admit, I was listening to you at that time, and I was sitting there going, quit saying it, quit saying it. <laughs> like report. We're, we're reporting. We're reporting. Oh, I know, I know, and I agree with you. You don't have the power to break it. it, it, it it's mean, not. But on. I was being superstitious. Yeah, <laughs> um, and, I, and I'm not superstitious either. <laughs> and, you know, people are saying, you know, I know a whole bunch of announcers, you know, have been uh, they've not been able to get a hit. Don't be coy. He's got a no-hitter. <laughs> Come on, it's um, baseball. You know, it's not like some kind of – you're not some Navajo code breaker. I mean, come on. No. And, and then the, the, the second thing was uh, I, want, I want your honest opinion. That last pit and Philip Humber's uh, perfect game, was that last pitch outside the zone to Brendan Ryan? Because I think it was. I think it was too, but I, I flushed so much of that. But it was – did he foul? I thought he fouled it off, and what AJ had to throw it down the first. It was a it was a check swing. He didn't he didn't yeah. didn't swing all the way, and then, I, and then and then Kaczynski dropped and, it. Yeah, I'd have to go back and listen to the call. I I think I sort of remember that I, was, I had like a question mark in the tone of my voice yeah. as I was uh, watching that because it, it looked uh, it looked a little uh, dicey. That's, so, uh, yeah, okay, fair enough. <laughs> so you're talking about excitement, and the one thing I think about, uh, and I've talked to Brian and Matt about this before, is that here in Seattle you have uh, college sports. Everybody has a little college that they like. Uh, NFL, uh, people are Seahawks fans or they're fans of what else. But I feel like the Mariners are the region's team. Yeah, well, and, I think the forty-five thousand plus that showed up April one—I mean October one, two, and three—answers your question. Yeah, you you answered it basically before I got <laughs> up. Is I feel like if things work out like they were headed last season, it's nonstop party time. It's nonstop Mardi Gras. This <laughs> that's the beauty of eighty-one games. Yeah, you bet. <laughs> no, and, I mean I've heard. Odd infinitum from people who were born and raised and were around during those glory years and said, oh, we used to sell out every night. I can remember so many nights, you know, I used to get excited if we had 15,000. Uh, I think I'm hoping that this will be a big year, obviously. And to pick up where we left off of that excitement, you know, the momentum that was created uh, in that last two weeks, two and a half weeks um, in September last year. 
Yeah, it'll be nice to see, say, uh, sorry, T-Mobile uh, Park uh, as full as it was. I remember going to the first couple of years in the early 2000s, 2001 especially, there wasn't an empty seat in the house every single night. It was crazy. Yeah. You know, it's not like you're going to win 116 every year, but I know exactly no. what you're talking about. <laughs> and, and this was after, I know from talking to Dave in the house, but he went from, what, 77 to 91 before they even got over 500. So, uh I can understand, you know, <laughs> busted loose once you get some success. I get it. Uh, excitement. Um, I feel like the Mariners now have uh, a, a plethora of exciting players um, to to talk about. Um, I mean, we've always had one or two superstars, but boy, oh boy, Leo Rodriguez, Kellenic, you know, uh, Robbie Ray now. That there's guys like I there, I can name more than five guys off my. You know. Yeah, right. <laughs> good point. That's uh-huh. a good point. Yeah. No, it, it, it's it's a nice uh, situation, and and uh, I hate to keep harping on this about you know there's guys on the come. You know, I, I want to know. I like to, you know, I'm not going to be doing this for much longer. So I, I mean, let's get a couple W's in here. I just want a pennant or two. But there are waves of dudes coming up, and and. Julio Rodriguez had a base hit today, a hard smash up the middle, made a nice catch in, uh, in center field. Uh, man, he, I'm telling you, with his personality and his abilities, he has a chance. If he can, you know, if he can get out of the gate for a couple, three years and just put up big numbers, he's going to be on such a huge pedestal here in this in this town, in this region. Didn't, got, Mon- so didn't, Monday, didn't Monday Julio crush one over the beer tent in Peoria? Dude, that was one of the most vicious shots I've ever seen. It was insane. Mm-hmm. It might not have landed yet. I mean, it was. Oh, and, and uh, you know what? We were. Was I? On, I wasn't on the. Was I working that game? Yeah, I was working that game. I wasn't on the call. But that ball could have hurt somebody out in the, the hospitality. <laughs> and I, I took a picture of the arrow, uh, the area, and posted it. And put a red line and went. Julio went went here. You know. <laughs> and, and I think anymore as we move forward and as he continues to develop. You only have to say Julio. You know, yes, it's just like when when Griffey was here. You just had to say Junior. That is you so know what I'm talking about. It. I mean, the kid. So electric. He's, so exciting. He's a vivacious personality. He's just. I mean, he's built like crazy, and he's he's five tools too. Yeah, we got a chance to watch him last year in in Everett, and uh, you two did. I missed it. Yeah, we did. Yeah, <laughs> Abraham somehow missed him the entire time he was there. But uh, yeah, we were. Immediately, this kid's superstar. This kid, don't forget this kid's name. Yeah. <laughs> Remember Julio. <laughs> it'll, it'll be easy. It will be easy. Yeah. Um, do you have a, a who? Who is your? Did you have a favorite broadcaster growing up? I mean, who's your favorite of all time? I had about two platoons worth. Um, two platoons worth. Um, so a company. I watched all the sports in Philly, so. I mean, Gene Hart was a great hockey announcer with the Flyers when they went on the went from their infancy and they wound up winning the, you know back-to-back cups. Uh, Bill Campbell did uh, for a while. He did the Eagles 60 championship. He did the Sixers. You know, he was around. He he lived a long life. He he broadcast when uh, Dr. J came to the Sixers. Uh, Richie Ashburn was a you know just you know great ex-player and funny as hockey and Harry Callis. I mean, those guys in the local scene and nationally, 
I used to listen to Marty Glickman when we we had season tickets to the Eagles games, and I used to hear this distinctive voice, and he wound up being a sort of a rabbi for for me and other young broadcasters back in the mid '80s. So he's up there, you know, and then the usual suspects: Gowdy, you know, Mr. Scully, of course. Uh, Tom Brookshire worked in Philly. I always liked his work with Pat Summerall, mm. John Madden. I mean, like I said, I could go on. Jim Simpson was like was always the this number two or three guy at, at NBC, and he was fabulous. And I got to work with Charlie Jones, who was probably the number two A uh, guy at um, at NBC. I worked with him in the '88 Olympics, and I loved the guy. And I had always been a big fan of his work, and we became really good friends. And uh, uh, he he was, was a beauty. So there, there's a bunch of guys out there. Okay. Do you besides you? Do you have a Mount Rushmore of broadcasters? Scully's number one. Wow, that's a good one. Um, I almost hate doing this. Um, I mean, for years, you know, I, I think of Scully and Marv Albert doing basketball. Mm-hmm. And when I got to New York, he was doing everything. He was he was doing Knicks radio, then over to TV. He was doing Rangers radio. He was doing the NFL. He did Monday Night Football for a while. And he... Uh, he was an advocate for me when, when I, I put in for the sports talk show, nighttime sports night talk show, WNBC radio. So I would say Scully and Marv, those two jump out at me. Oh, football, baseball, basketball. Good God. Uh, let me do Let me just stop right there because. Fair enough. <laughs> I, you know, to do, I, it, there's so many guys out there. I, I feel like if I don't mention them, and, you know, Scully, because he's just so universal and just so doggone good. I've had very, really neat conversations with him. And Marv, because, you know, he's just ubiquitous. He was, you know, he's retired and he had a big influence. He was a friend when I was, I was a beat writer covering the Knicks and he was doing games. He was just a really good guy. I mean, Costas is up there too. So, I mean, I could, I could go on for an hour on that. My next Somebody question. Guys, oh, you know, I that and I think about Dick Enberg. I mean, you know, here we, here okay. we go. Yeah. Go to another topic. I'll, I'll, <laughs> okay, I'm going to go with severe. Keep popping into my head. I will right go on. with severe tonal whiplash here, uh, because the one thing I bring up to uh, Matt and Brian a lot here on this show is baseball doesn't seem to do as good of a job with superstars as some of the other sports. I. Think about and the sun Andy. is yellow. No, no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking about Mike Trout and Andrew McCutcheon and why their face wasn't on every billboard. Like, well, you know, back Crowley then. always says, and I like Mike, and he's from the Philly area. And we have, we're both fanatic Eagle fans. So that was our immediate bond when I met him. And even now, like, I, as a matter of fact, I saw him in an Eagles game a couple of years ago. Oh, Trotter! Um, he just wants to play ball. He doesn't necessarily want to be the face of, of baseball. You know, when before he got hurt, you know, before the last couple of years, he was. And it, you know, that baseball is we're doing well. Nobody, nobody's going to the poorhouse. But in terms of excitement and a massive on a national field, we're very much a regional sport now. And we're not the national sensation it was. And like I said, I'm a lot older than you guys. And baseball was always number one for me when I was growing up. Uh, you know, played it, talked it, you know, was, you know, missed it during basketball season. Not so much during football, but during basketball season before I became a basketball guy. 
And uh, yeah, we, we got to do a better job. And the other thing too, I say this all the time. I feel like I'm part of a, my generation of black sports fans, the last generation who really gives a dang about baseball. And I'd like to be at the forefront trying to change that and try to, you know, get the build up, re, you know, rebuild some excitement. And the numbers are, are slightly better, I'm told, in terms of number one draft picks who happen to be African-American. But it's, it's not, you know, it's not when, when I grew up, it, you know, what was it, September around Labor Day of 71, the Pirates started an all-minority team. You know, Jackie Hernandez was the shortstop. Doc Ellis caught Manny Sanguian, Clemente, Stargell, Clyde. So it was, it was amazing. My favorite, and UL I, Washington. With Kansas City. Um, uh, so yeah, I think we peaked at like 17, 18%, you know, African-Americans in baseball and sometime in the seventies, man, we're about six or 7% now. I mean, that's ridiculous. You know, and the other thing too, I mean, I'm, you know, I go to 181, I do a hundred, whatever games, but I literally can pick out African-Americans in the crowd. They're like nobody at our, at our place. I saw a family of three or four today, uh, over at the Goodyear. So, and, and, you know, the game's expensive too. So yeah, I love it. I'm still in it. I love it. <laughs> well, I did, I did see the, the team put out a, an email. I got a, I got CC'd on it. That, um, what this weekend or, or this week they're they've lowered all the vending prices and they, you know, they're trying to do everything to get everyone back to the park and, and, and ride yeah. that, that role, you know, that, that rush that everyone had at the end of last season. So hopefully yeah. you'll see, more, more, fo- a lot more folks, and and a more variety uh, in terms of demographics uh, at the uh, yes. ballpark this season. Can I? And that'd be great. Can can yeah, I? Katie Griggs, a new baseball, she's president of, of uh, business operations with the with the ball club, and uh, she's come up with some. Uh, she's got a nice agenda of, of getting people and in, in, uh, initiatives to get people back into the park. Uh, that's actually a good, uh, I was going to ask you a different question, but let's go on that one. Um, they actually split the former role into two things, right? The, into the marketing and then into the. Yeah, Jerry, Jerry's got baseball ops and she's got business ops. Yeah. yeah. And then she comes over from the Atlanta FC soccer team, right? Right. And turn that, turn that into a juggernaut. And that they actually sell, Matt, you'll be interested in this. The Atlanta FC, when she was there, they sold food at like a regular human being. That's what they're starting level. this year. So there's going to yeah, be a value meal sense. and there's free refills on sodas and all kinds of stuff like that. Yeah. It's refills. getting back. I mean, they're getting, nice. you know, one of the, one of my complaints mm-hmm. the last 20 years as Mariners is, you know, it just seems like every year the prices for everything went up. All, beer got more expensive, food got more expensive and, and the team on the field wasn't better. <laughs> you know, right. It was just kind of hard. It was like, like, okay, it's, it's going to be really expensive. Yeah. 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 I think so, the uh, beer there, there's going to be the there's some cheaper cans. beers available. Yeah. yeah. There's gonna be the 12 ounce cans at this. And a, mul- and a multitude of beers. I've re- I read. That's going to so be awesome. Be good. So All what right. do you think of, uh, what do you think this year's team? What do you, what, what, what are you picking with, with how many wins? Uh, last year I was way off. Don't, don't go by me. I was thinking <laughs> 65, 70 last year. We won 90. So. Well, wow. been you know a lot of comeback wins, one run games, extra inning games, uh, hit with a, a really good batting average in uh, late game situations. Bullpen was spectacular. I I tell you, there's some electric arms in bullpen, 
And, and, and then today, you know, to bring in Jesse Chavez, who's been around, been there, done that, three World Series rings, vast experience. You know, he's a junk baller and he gets people out. Um, so that could be, you know, as Scott Service like to call it, his pivot guy, you know, fifth, sixth inning if necessary before he gets into the, the heavy armory. And then we got Sergio Romo, Romo the other Yeah, I said Jesse Chavez, I said Sergio Romo. That's um, oh, okay. So, yeah. It's uh, and and here's it. You know, you hope Kelnick will hit. You hope that Jesse uh, Winker will be able to hit left-handers if he sees him. I mean, it was a big, big split in his lefty-righty, but he's a good player. And Suarez, I like. I think that trade was really terrific. It has a chance to be good. Um, and then Logan Gilbert, when I watched him today against Cleveland, new changeup. I read a story by Daniel Kramer and said that Logan got the he worked out at. Stetson with a uh, fellow alum, uh, Jacob DeGrom, and DeGrom showed him a new grip, so it's change-up, you know, becoming a weapon. It's going on with a great fastball and slider. Robbie Ray looked good. I, I think, as a matter of fact, Kenny Singleton, a good friend, you know, just retired from the Yankee broadcast booth. He says, hey, I'm picking you guys to win the West. You know, Houston will be down a little bit. I mean, they're not going away. They lose Korea. That's a big piece of it. But they got and the angel pitching, they still have pitching problems. Texas is not ready. A's are blowing up their team. So there's an opportunity to, you know, to, to be breathing on the neck of the Astros. I like it. And there's got to be some point at which we finally hit on a prospect. <laughs> like, yeah, you hope. I mean, and you're hoping, you know, you're hoping that Julio's going to be the guy. You hope that Kelnick will pick up where he left off in September. He got a nice base yeah. hit today. Um, uh, let's see, you know, JP Crow, Adam Frazier, he had, a, I know he had one, I think he had two hits today. He's a good-looking player. so mm-hmm. That's exciting. What did you see out of Kel? Do you think he's got the sillies out of him from early last year? He's fine. I mean, you know, the guy, we, he was built up probably to an exaggerated portion of people were expecting Mickey Mantle to break out, and that wasn't going <laughs> to happen. And, and then, you know, he figured out some things. You know, he had failure for the first time in his career. He comes back in, in October and was outstanding. And I talked to him last uh, it was earlier this week, I guess. Talked about how much help he got from Mark McGuire. McGuire the basic message was McGuire says, dude, you only have to swing like 85%. Okay. You don't have to be all at max out on every swing. We controlled, controlled violence and hit the, you know, and, and hit the ball where it's pitched. And he really took that to heart. It was a fun conversation about that. Wait, so Mark McGuire has been advising him? Uh, yeah. But McGuire has a couple of kids in college and McGuire and Kelnick, I believe, are represented by the same organization. And what McGuire does is he, you know, they, they send him, he evaluates tapes. And I get, and the story, the way Kelnick told it was McGuire saw him on TV one day and he said, Is that one of our guys? He said, I want to see. He said, Not only do I want to see his tape, I have to talk to him. And they've had, and they wound up having a phone relationship and it went from there. And Kelnick said, He's so much, you know, for the better having, you know, being in that relationship. So, I thought I found that I think it was Monday this week. I thought that was really exciting to hear that. I just literally passed in the hallway. Yo, dude, what's up? How you doing? Blah blah blah. And you know, that's how you get stuff. <clears throat> nice. Uh, I got a quick two-part. Hopefully, it's a quick two-part question for you. Um, 2018 through 2021 Washington Sportscaster of the Year. Congratulations, by the way. Three P. Yeah, well, that was a three P. Uh, 
uh, my first question is, what was it like winning that? And then my second question is, you've been here for 15 years. I mean, what, what's kept you here in Seattle? I mean, that, that's a longevity, in my opinion. The great gig. The Major League Baseball <laughs> team can be unless you have something as you know, you know that's parallel that maybe that maybe is a little bit better than the situation. There's no reason I think about leaving. It's a great job, and you know it, they keep inviting me back. And, but you know it's great, and the fact that. Uh, that of the awards, the three P. I I mean, it's voted on by peers. I don't know how many of them. <laughs> Dwayne Kuyper is busting my chops. He said, what, the other three guys didn't show up? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's still in the books, baby. And <laughs> it was voted on by peers, National Sports Media Association. So I, I'm proud of that accomplishment. I was, I was blown away. I mean, each year, I mean, I get the call from Dave Gore, hey, you won it. He won it again, and he won it again, and again. So uh, it's it's very satisfying to know that you know people, you know, like what you do, and you know, just keep rocking and rolling. Gosh, Brian, awesome. when you say when you ask that question, I imagined you as like the old guys from Muppets, you know, Statler and Waldorf. Why do we keep coming here, Dave? Why do you keep announcing? Thanks, Abraham. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, so we we can't we can't let you leave without asking you about your hats. There's no we. That's you, Matt. You. That's all me. I'm I'm a hat guy. I, I, yeah, you know, I uh, I've always sort of been one. And then uh, when the heck was that? 2012. Oh, I know what it was. Mark Grant for the Padres. He had a couple of pork pie hats and a couple of hats, and I liked them. He told me he told me where he got them. I went to the store in Pasadena. It's lovely Asian couple, and I bought two or three hats and wore them. And the guy who got big reacts in the clubhouse. So then my son is a walking idea. My oldest son is a walking idea factory. He says, why don't we sell our own hats? And we ended up creating our own line and sold them for a couple, three years. We didn't get rich, but we made a couple bucks. And it was, <laughs> when is it coming back? Really I want to buy some more. Yeah. Yeah. They, they got some good <laughs> stuff. Uh, fedoras and Panamas and, uh, and uh, what do you call it? Uh, the, the snap rims. And I had, I like them and I got a lot of reacts. Uh, a lot of good feedback from that stuff. Boy, that's already 10 years ago this year. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, before the show, I messaged you, Dave, about the great John Clayton. Will you tell us, tell our audience about your encounter with John Clayton? Well, I, I, I ran into John, um, I think when I was doing Sunday Night, Fo Sunday Night Football on radio, I ran up to his native Pittsburgh and we chatted and he knew who I was because I'd already been in Seattle for a few years and I certainly knew who he was. And I mean, I didn't have extent, you know, I, I don't, I haven't been in football circles and NFL circles now for, since the end of the 14 season, I think it was. Yeah, 14. But I did like 18 years in the NFL. I didn't see him that much. And I, I was on the show once or twice and, and, and mainly to talk baseball, but he's a football guy. But, you know, we throw in some football conversation because, you know, I know a little bit about it. He was, but he, the reputation that he developed, I mean, is a sterling reputation. And, you know, one of the hardest working guys in the business and the ESPN commercials where, you know, he lets his hair down. He's in the basement of his mother's home. Yeah. <laughs> Listening to Slayer. Yeah. Yes. Hysterical. What the heck? What was I doing? I was coming out. Of, we played last. He died last Monday or Tuesday. This was, and I was coming out of the gym. My phone started beeping. And I went, Whoa. 
I didn't know it was set. And I, God, I can't remember the last time I saw him, but I'd say I was on a show about three, four years ago. And, you know, I, so I just, it's a great loss to, to the sports, Seattle sports community, the national sports community. I thought I was very disappointed when ESPN let him go, but I was so glad to see him land on his feet. He prospered uh, in Seattle on 710. So, you know, he rests in peace. Absolutely. One of the great things that he did, um, and a lot of great broadcasters and uh, reporters do, is they have a close relationship with the players, but they also have um, an ability, an ability to, t- an ability to tell the truth, but tell the story as well. I, yeah. I, I don't know if I'm making sense here, but like it, it's. Well, if you're around long enough, you're going to find out, you're going to make contacts. And, and if you're, you know, you're solid, you're reputable. I mean, you're not backstabbing anybody. People, you know, you build up trust along the way. You build up your reputation and people, you know, that's the word that goes around and people respect you and you can, you can get your information and get your stories. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> uh, I got one last question for you. What, I'm sure you've had many great interviews over the years, but can you think of, I don't care which sport, but one particular interview you would care to share with us? I had, uh, oh God, I've, had, I've been fortunate. I've had a million of them. One that happens to come to mind, uh, the late, great John Mackey, the late, great Floyd Little. I had a conversation with them at Mickey Mantle's restaurant when I was at WFAN. That would be like 91, 92. And it was, it was amazing. And uh, the thing, the other thing I remember <clears throat> about that interview, it was Christmas time and OJ Simpson was walking by. This is pre-1995. <laughs> okay. And, uh, and we waved him in and like, he walked in and like the temperature in the, in the room just went up. Everybody, holy, oh man, OJ Simpson. You know, he was at the peak then. It was so cool. He came over and said hello. And he said, listen, I got to, I, I have to get over to NBC. I got some things I got to do. You going to be here tomorrow? I said, yeah. He came back the next day, gave me a half hour. It was amazing. Uh, I mean, I've been lucky uh, the other day. Uh, I was telling a story on a golf course yesterday. Uh, we were in Pittsburgh. We got to play at Arnold Palmer's course in Latrobe twice. And the second time he was there and he was over in the corner and we waved at him as we were in the clubhouse and the dining room. So he gets up to, at some point he gets up to leave and we form a receiving line. He goes up and down, he goes down the line and he gets to me. And I said, Mr. Palmer, back 1998, 99, you're playing a tournament in Malvern outside of Philly. And I was working at Fox Philly and you were kind enough to, Give me a few minutes, answer a few questions. I just want to, again, thank you. And he looked me in the eye and he smiled. He said, no, Dave, thank you. And I said, my day's made. Good night, everybody. See you later. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I've, had, I've, I've had a lot of, a lot of good ones. I, oh, actually, you know, I, the, okay, that makes me think. Uh, you were here when Ken Griffey came back, right? In 09, yeah. Yeah, well... What was that like for you? Because I think, uh, you know, for guys like me, Matt and Brian, we're Seattle fans. So we knew that's exactly what was going to happen. I'm just curious, maybe from an outsider's perspective, did that seem weird when everybody's cheering Griffey and, you know, uh, not cheering their own team? Yeah, no, I hear you. It's, um, he, he's, I remember walking in, I introduced myself to him, and we wound up talking. Well, he wound up talking. 
mean, he can talk. I mean, what I'm doing about 35, 40 minutes and just back and forth. It was a lot of fun. And we've become pretty good friends. You know, I got him on speed dial. He's a part owner of the Mariners now. So he's a, he's a beauty. He's a, he's a good dude. He's had an exemplary life. He's got a beautiful family. He's made, he's had, he's financially, he's been super, super duper successful. I think he's got the Midas touch. And, and all, I can only say good things about him. Uh, remember when I got sick and I had the prostate cancer and I told him and it was the day he was introduced uh, in New York after he was voted in the Hall of Fame. They had a news conference in Piazza. Told his father, say, hey, come here, come here. And he told me, he says, tell him, tell my dad what you told me. And I told him what was going on. His father talked to me. And it was, it was just a great, it was a great moment. And it was reassuring. I was scared to death. You know, I didn't know what was to become. You know, when somebody tells you you got cancer, and they were both so good, so supportive, and, and have been ever since. As a matter of fact, I saw a senior in November in New York, and I told him, I said, I never forget what you told me. See, I told you it was going to be all right. So, you know, those kind of relationships when you meet those kind of people, man, it's pretty special. And, you know, obviously, Junior literally is one of the greatest players of all time. I mean, that's, that's not a stretch by any, you know, I mean, that's the truth. Just look at the numbers. And, and like I said, you know, with so many people, you talk about his peer group, you talk about the kids of this generation. Most of them grew up, most of these guys grew up idolizing Griffin. So, so it's a pleasure to know him, a pleasure to have, Matt, have him as a friend. I think he's the greatest. And guys like Matt Page over there, he's going to say, well, actually, the stats say, shut up, Matt. Griffey's the best. I, I I'm a Willie Mays guy. No. I'm a Willie Mays yes. guy. Griffey, Griffey's right there. He Griffey's really top five all time. in question for me. Right there. It's tough to break down with the order of that top five, but he's definitely in there. Yeah. You can't go wrong putting him on your list. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and when you know, and once you get up into that ultra alpha atmosphere, there's no wrong choice. I mean, you're talking about Williams, Ruth, you know, Mantle. May, uh, Mantle, Mays, Aaron. I shouldn't, even, I shouldn't mention Aaron Fifth. I should probably say him number one. Um, that's one. Of, that's one of the great conversation points about baseball too. Because no, when you're in that top five to ten players, and some, there's like no real wrong answer. Right. <clears throat> I, I, I forgot. I had one more question for you. I, I noticed a tweet you shared yesterday. We we cared to discuss the gratitude gang. It was in regards to Lou Gehrig and you, oh oh yeah I screwed up I spelled something my wife was killing me she says you spelled something wrong spell check <laughs> yeah my wife got involved with uh, ALS people and uh, she just lost a close friend and she's uh, you know ra- help raising funds there's a couple of organizations that have blended together and you know she. She asked me to retweet. You know, I have more followers than she does, and I've got a pretty good reaction. Matter of fact, I'm going to KJR tomorrow to talk. That might be one of the things we touch upon. But uh, it's a hideous, it's a, just a insidious disease, and you know, you've got to keep you know raising funds to help researchers try to conquer this thing because it is debilitating beyond words. It's scary as heck, and uh, there's a lot of people out there, a lot of organizations coming together to, to fight it. So that, that, that's basically it. When, what's the day? Is MLB going to be honoring that day? 
Yeah, I think I think it's June two. It's Lou Gehrig Day. Okay, and that's uh, I, I think that was better late than never. I'm glad that that was instituted by by Major League Baseball. I mean, he's certainly yeah. one of the, you know one of our greatest heroes in the game. And my goodness, you go back and look. As a matter of fact, that YouTube recently somebody I don't know who it was, but they found some old film of he and Ruth taking batting practice before a game. And it's really cool. I mean, it's it's nothing fake. It's a real piece of film with the audio. And you get to see their swings. And it, uh, it's, if you're a baseball fan, it's just like, man, I wish they had widened out and had a high home camera and maybe had a center field camera so you could see everything the way we've, you know, we've been consuming baseball all these years. <laughs> well, fantastic. And uh, Dave Sims, we're so happy. The pleasure is all on this side of the screen yep. for you spending your time with us for being well, you're, you're very fortunate because Duke is on and I'm there at 49 all with 10.35 to go. So I can, he took a, <laughs> took a little, <laughs> I, was, I was distraught in the first couple, three minutes when they were down 10-2 and I think, oh, geez, I'm about to turn this thing off. <laughs> Don't you do a serious show with Mike? Just, yeah, just 15 years. Yeah. yeah okay. We up on Monday this week, uh, we had uh, Charles Barkley and Tim Kirchett. And oh, wow. Those shows are available on demand on SiriusXM. <laughs> right on <laughs> well fantastic we always like to end our show on an upbeat and we call it uh shout outs and, uh i'm gonna i'm gonna go ahead and start this one off and say shout out to my own uh father who's uh still going strong and finally has baseball to complain about so uh it'll be good uh, oh boy i get the juices going every every year that i get to listen to my dad complain lets me realize how much i love and cherish him so uh, how old is he? Uh, how old a man is he? 86. God bless. Yes. That's awesome. Um, over to you, Matt. Uh, I want to give the shout out. My credit is to Mr. Brian Solman Solak for getting us some amazing guests, including Mr. Sims here and, and, and some others in the past and hopefully a few in the future. Thank you. Brian, over to you. I got two shout outs, one uh, to 710 Seattle Sports and to Seth Everett, who both had two amazing tribute shows to the great late John Clayton, rest in peace. So, but they had a bunch of people on and they shared stories. So I want to thank you guys for that. And then my father is turning 80 next week. So I just want to say happy birthday to my father. Thank you. Happy birthday. I like hearing, I like to hear stories of, Longevity. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> and finally, you, Dave Sims, I'll let you close out uh, the show with you. Shout out to Mariner fans. Get get out to the ballpark. I think we got something brewing here. It's going to be fun. So all enjoy the ride together. Awesome. Thank you very much. On behalf Back. of on behalf of Matt Page, Brian Solak, and our guest, Dave Sims, Dave Sims my name is Abraham Dewey. This is the Seattle Sports Union Podcast. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks a lot, fellas. I gotta finish dinner and watch this game so I can have hopefully positive things.